Bruins postgame podcast time at TD Garden. Ken Laird along with Bruins reporter DJ Bean. Five in a row. Look at them go. The Panthers 4-1 to one tonight and the Bruins on a five-game skid, DJ. Not good. And uh, plenty of controversy two nights in a row with disallowed or rather inconclusive goals. What would you make of the one tonight? Bergeron looked like on the replay he scored to cut it, to, or actually to tie it up at two in the third period. I honestly think, and it's not hyperbole, I'm racking my brain trying to think of the worst video replays, and that includes challenges, that includes them all. And a lot of the challenges are just are annoying, uh, but as overall video replays go, this has to be the worst. There is a clear picture of a puck in a net, and they came out and said, there is no conclusive evidence that the puck crossed the goal line. Here's the goal line. Here's the net that you can see through. Was it because there, there was some netting slightly in, <laughs> obstructing the black thing that was behind the line? It, that, I mean, I hate to... I don't like when coaches use the officiating as excuses or whatever, but, like, this... They potentially lost a game tonight yeah. because of an... Awful, awful, awful call. So this is, yeah, for me, this is as bad as it gets. When the bad news is, from the Bruins' standpoint, last night they had a horrible penalty called on them in the second. They gave up a power play goal in the ensuing, you know, PK to the Rangers. So they're not withstanding adversity very well. So that's to their blame. But that doesn't take away the fact they got jobbed, in a way, in New York last night. And they clearly got jobbed here tonight. And I, Like you say, I don't know any other way you could look at it. Yeah, and... and you look at how they don't do well with adversity, and I agree with that. But that also falls into the whole thing of they're not that good a team. And I think that they should still be able to compete for what they have without things like officiating actively getting in the way. I don't. I mean, I don't watch every team as closely as I watch the Bruins, but there have been points this season where it's, and especially more recently uh, than overall, that it's just... You're left scratching your head at between how few penalties they draw, the the way that these uh, the the way the video replays are shaking out. I mean, Claude Julian has lost his mind time and time and time and time again over it, and half the time you can't blame him. And they've taken some dumb penalties the last two yep. nights. Tonight, too many men on the ice, like a minute after the controversy, and and they wilt there and give up the three to one lead, and their power play is gone bone dry in this five game losing no, streak well, over 12 ah, that was the goal that they allowed on the power play that's yeah, well, they right almost scored a yes. shorty. They, they, they almost had a couple actually right. it wasn't a horrible night for power play chances they just can't find one they can't bury one I mean their earlier um, their earlier power plays especially uh, I thought that the move of taking Spooner off would pay off I mean you think about at some point were they going to move Spooner off does that mean that that Marshan finds his way into the first unit, things like that. I didn't hate what they did with putting Bolesky in front of the net, and as you said, the power play generally looked better despite the only goal being scored on when they were on the ice being a, a shorthanded goal for the Panthers. I generally didn't hate the Bruins' power play tonight. Uh, you do miss having Louis Erickson in front of the net, though, whenever you move him anywhere else, and he's good on the half wall, but I would still do whatever I can to have him in front of the net. Well, this team right now, uh, if the teams that have games in hand win their games, they're out of a playoff spot. I mean, not to sound the panic alarm, but that's pretty dire. If Philadelphia wins their next three games, they will pass the Bruins in the standings, and Detroit has one game in hand, and they can pass the Boston in the standings. And this, these were the two games tonight against, uh, the, against Florida and down the road versus Detroit. 
those are the two games that I had circled of, all right, they need to win at least one of these games, and they need to handle their four remaining non-playoff teams. But now, when it's gotten to this point, you've already lost the Rangers game, you've already lost this one, now you, you can kind of start to hit the panic button. And I know that with a few more wins, they would get to the mark of where teams generally make the playoffs in the, the low 90s, yeah. mid-90s, but I mean, all bets are off at this point. They've they've got to handle these four games against non-playoff teams starting Saturday in Toronto, and really they're going to need to to win that game against Detroit. The good thing is they're a better team than Detroit in pound for pound in my mind. The only time they've lost to Detroit this season was when they didn't have Patrice Bergeron, but you don't want to get to the point where you're saying, all right, well, they should win this game, because then you're you're having your season come down to one game where it shouldn't necessarily have to depend on it. Yeah, I would say, really, if you look at the last seven, five of the seven are teams they should beat, even though a couple are on the road. You should beat Toronto and Jersey. Mm-hmm. You should beat Carolina, Ottawa, and, and Detroit is at home. That's a game you got to have. And the other two are road games against the Western teams, but Chicago's on a bit of a slide, and I don't think they're as unbeatable as they've, if they've looked. But if you seed those four points, you still, I think we're arguing the same point here, even if you yeah. see those four points, then just by getting the other, what, geez, uh, uh, ten, yeah. then you're, again, you're in position where you should at the very least be a wild card team. Enough. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, ultimately, and I'm writing it tonight, it is time to worry about whether or not they're going to make the playoffs, but at the end of the day, it's at the end of the day they should be expected to make the playoffs. I mean, it, it would take a collapse that we haven't seen in years from the, these guys, and that includes last season because last season you could at least say, well, guys were hurt, they didn't have Krejci, uh, Chara got hurt late in the season, Riley Smith really screwed him over. They're playing Rask too much. You could point to all these different things. Conley was just kind of getting adjusted after returning from that hand injury. Like, what's the excuse here? They they don't have very tough opponents the rest of the way. They're relatively healthy, or they're completely healthy, I should say, um, minus Chris Kelly. So and John Michael Lyles, <laughs> we should now add actually. But which is funny, nobody asked any any the question about Lyles in the post game. I mean, that could be a serious bad reporting season-ending yeah. injury. Yeah. Yeah, we were also focused on the uh, the officiating and the the text that Clojillian was. Uh, receiving. Yikes, that's a bad miss by us. Bad reporters. Yeah, we buried the lead. Claude got a text from an anonymous coach saying, what? WTF? How is that not a goal? Uh, who was the coach? Suspicion. Well, you were saying that we could actually do some process of elimination. Look at which coaches were not playing tonight, but then what if it was a coach that was playing? Because, you know, when you go to work, they got all the TVs on and yeah, everything. So maybe what coach that was playing saw that and was like, oh, man, I got to check out my man, Claude, and then fired him a text. Uh, I, I tweeted the quote from Claude saying that he'd received that text, and I probably got a response. I probably got 29 different responses with funny <laughs> scenarios for each coach in the NHL sending that text. Like someone said... Uh, it was Michelle Terrian. Soft call, soft call. <laughs> well, uh, you know, they could still end up playing this Florida team in the postseason. But yeah. If they do get in, I don't think Detroit's that good. In the end, I, I do think Boston will, will get in. Depending how Tampa and Florida finish, this will be the last time we see Florida this year. How do you think the matchup would be if it is indeed Bruins-Panthers? I still like the matchup for the Bruins. You have to consider, though, that two of the wins that they got in that first three uh, – it was against the team before they'd gone out and made their moves to the trade deadline. So they're a better team than they were before. We were talking during the game. I still don't 
they're better defensively than the Bruins, but I still don't love their defense. Uh, I really don't like Kindle. Uh, Steve Camper is a fine third pairing guy, but if you get to the point where you're relying on those guys too much, then like I look at the, I look at a pairing like that, and I'm like, that's why a team could lose in the playoffs. Now, you can say the same thing about the Bruins. You can say the same thing about so many teams this year. But when you look at teams that traditionally have gone far in the playoffs, they just got a lot of big big boys in the back end. And uh, I don't know that Florida 1 through 6 is as good defensively as I'd like them to be. Yeah, I think you'd like Luongo, too. He, he looked a little shaky all night, although he only allowed one. But the thing I would worry about the most is actually Riley Smith's line. Uh, the Smith-Trochick. Jokinen line, right. they, had a, they had a tough time handling tonight, and they looked like they put Chara out against Jager. Well, they the thing, off- offensively, the way I would look at it, um, and when I was thinking about how they match up, I was watching closely tonight the Barkov line. If you take that line out of the game, do you win automatically? Because that's what, basically, the Bruins have done for much of this season series. They've kept that line quiet, and then, whatever, special teams or something else will, will take care of the rest. But as you said, tonight it's the Trochik line that, yeah, even if you keep the, the Barkov line relatively quiet, then that's a really good second line with, uh, with Jokin and Riley Smith there. Riley Smith, who's turned into a hell of a player in Florida, 24 goals in the season now. So, yeah, uh, good, solid top six for those guys. Again, I'm still not terrified of them if I meet them in the playoffs. I'd still probably like the Bruins in that matchup, but it's, it's close for sure. Bruins on the road for the next four. See you in a week and a half, April 4th, the next home game here at the Garden. This will be interesting. At Toronto over the weekend. Don't forget to stay on WEI.com for all DJ's Bruins coverage. I'm Ken Laird. This has been a Boston Bruins postgame podcast.